It is the day of week two. The college football rankings debated and determined. We'll find out tonight just how much last weekend's chaos will shake things up. And there certainly was plenty of chaos to go around. Happy to have you with us on this Tuesday edition of College Football Live. Desmond Howard, Wendy Nix, Rod Gilmore, and Heather Dinich. As we look back to the weekend, it was don't take our word for it. If you missed it, here's what happened. Starting with third-ranked Michigan State and ninth-ranked Wake Forest, falling from the list of unbeatens, Sparty lost by 11 at Purdue, and Wake went down 58-55 to to the hands of Chapel Hill, UNC. Alabama, meanwhile, just survived an upset bid from LSU. They won by six. The Tide stopped the Tigers on three drives into Alabama territory in the fourth quarter. That's what it took, including a Hail Mary as time expired. What about out west? Let's look at fourth-ranked Oregon. They went on the road to beat Washington by 10 behind 211 rush yards from Travis Dye. Oregon just has one loss on the season heading into a matchup with Washington State. Number five, Ohio State. And number six, Cincinnati won but just single digits over unranked opponents. The Buckeyes won at Nebraska, and the Bearcats won by eight at home against Tulsa. And finally, number 12, Baylor took its second loss of the season. They fall to TCU. It won't get any easier for the Bears as they'll face an undefeated Oklahoma team on Saturday. So all of that happened. All of that will contribute to what we find out tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern, around 9 o'clock on ESPN. Heather Denich, let me ask you this. What's your number one question, your burning question for the committee, if you could ask it? Who is number two? Wendy, I want to know if the selection committee dings one loss Alabama for that flat offensive performance against what's now a five loss LSU team. Only six rushing yards. Is this an opportunity for Oregon to get a promotion? Because when you look at those two teams, it's very difficult to find Alabama's signature win right now. That's not the case for the Ducks. They have that win at Ohio State and they went on the road in the rain, beat Washington, a rival. So I want to see what happens at number two. Heather, the committee loves Alabama. They showed that last week. Because Bama is the only one-loss team to appear in the top two in the initial rankings. And it, the eye test kept telling the committee that this is the talented team. They should be number two. I agree with you that the resume takes a hit because of the LSU game. And also Mississippi State, that's a top 25 win that falls out, Des. And so the eye test still says number two. But you have to squint really, really hard to keep seeing Alabama as <laughs> number two right now. Yeah, you got you to kind of get your, your, your bifocals out there and, and focus because I tell you what, Alabama was not impressive versus <laughs> LSU. I think that the committee, the committee looks at Alabama as a strong number two, though. So Heather and Rod, I don't think they're going to drop at all, especially since right behind them, Michigan State took an L. So I think Alabama, as, you know, as average as they played that game, it was like an average performance. I still think they're going to hold steady at number two. Oh, Des, I, I think you make a fair point. I think the committee made a statement in that week one. So without a loss, without anything completely dramatic, I think it's unlikely. You see a lot of fluctu- fluctuation for Alabama. What's your top question to the committee, Des? The big question is where are they going to place Michigan State? How far will the Spartans fall? After taking an L on the road to the Purdue Spoiler Makers, a team that's 6-3, and three, I mean, I, I, how, 
that's going to be the first domino tonight. And then that's going to tell us where all of these other teams positioned behind Michigan State is going to go. So Michigan State losing at the number three spot. Will they be ahead of Michigan still? Because don't forget, the committee set a precedent week one with the initial rankings that if two teams were evenly matched and they, they played each other, that they will always rank the team that won the head-to-head -head above the team that they beat. So I'm kind of curious, Heather, whether they're going to still have them ranked above Michigan. Des, I think because of that precedent that they set last week, I think that they hold true to that and they keep Michigan State ahead of Michigan for now. But I think that they're somewhere behind Cincinnati. I mean, if I had to pick it, I think it would wow. go Cincinnati, Michigan State, Michigan right now. Wow. Well, isn't, isn't yeah, that what, I, what's I just, interesting, I Rod, completely. is that we, we look at this Cincinnati team and, and they needed some help from teams above them. They, they get that, but they don't have a dominant win. So uh, I'll ask you your question, but I, I have a feeling it might have something to do with where the Bearcats will fall. Yeah, listen, um, I'm worried about Cincinnati. I think they should be in the top four, but I could see the committee jumping Cincy with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is an undefeated Big 12 team coming off a big win over Texas Tech. Cincinnati should be number four, but the committee laid down a tough standard for Cincinnati last week. They said it's not enough to be undefeated. They also have to be dominant. Now, it may not be fair, but that's the standard, and we've seen three straight weeks where Cincinnati has not been dominant. So, despite what we might want, Dez, I think Cincinnati is in yeah. trouble. They should be in the top four, but I could see the committee jumping to Oklahoma over Cincinnati. You know, Rod, I just came from Cincinnati. We were there with game day, and we had Luke Fickle, the head coach of the Bearcats, on the show, and we tried to, um, to ask him, like, you know, what, what do you Top four, and we all talked about style points, and we understood that the game Saturday and every game after that game, they will have to rely on style points very heavily because they could not rely on beating ranked teams because they don't have any more ranked teams on their schedule. And they went out there and they did not perform at a high enough level to get the style points that we thought they would need, Heather, in order to move ahead. So I wouldn't be surprised if another team like Rod said, maybe in Oklahoma leapfrogs Cincinnati. Well, two things. First, I don't think Oklahoma is going to leapfrog Cincinnati. I think the two possibilities here are Cincinnati moves up to number five by default because Michigan State loses. But I think Bearcats fans also need to brace themselves for the fact that Cincinnati could drop lower than Michigan State and Michigan. And it's because of everything you just said, Des. Their last three opponents are a combined six and 20 and they have not looked good against teams that are sub 500 the committee doesn't need you to win by four touchdowns but you have to leave no doubt you're the better team is cincinnati better than tulsa if you're tulsa you are crying right now over losing that game because there were plenty of opportunities yeah no you're right they were i was on the field i watched the game and don't forget now tulsa is not some pushover team i mean the record may not be great but don't forget they went down to columbus and they played ohio state tough for like three and a half quarters the score does not really indicate the way that game was going there ohio state ran away with that game late so tulsa's a team that plays really tough on the road wendy well 
they do. And you know what's interesting to me, guys, is we talked last week about how week one wasn't the be-all, end-all, right? Like, that was the first week, and there would be a number of iterations of these rankings. But what we did see were some trends. And if they stick to that, the head-to-head meetings will matter, and these style points will matter, and we need to expect that and the fallout accordingly. So I think for me, uh, that's what I want to see tonight. Do they stay true to those trends that they set with the week one decisions that they made? We'll find out again around 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Something to watch for. Uh, Listen, something else to watch for. They are certainly the number two team in the country right now, understandably so. They are also the defending champs. But the question is, how vulnerable is Alabama? Do they have an Achilles heel? And if so, what is it? Bill Connolly checks in with the answers next. so loudly, it don't matter what you say. Do not fall victim to the disease. We're too good. We're not practicing to beat somebody. We're practicing to beat everybody. I can't lose. So long season, you know our goal. Hey, let's go. So much on the line for these teams. We welcome in now Bill Connolly. He's got an article out now exclusively on ESPN Plus about college football's agents of chaos. And, Bill, I will say this. If there's been a theme at all this season, it has been chaos. And it's been a lot of fun to see some different names at the top of the leaderboard. One name that is not different, we're accustomed to seeing Alabama at the top currently in the number two spot. Are they vulnerable? How vulnerable is this tied team, Bill? Uh, It feels like they're a lot more vulnerable now than they were uh, before we saw the LSU game, right? This is uh, an LSU defense that has not been very strong this year, very disruptive this year, and they were pushing Alabama backwards. They were creating lots of negative plays, lots of sacks, and and just killed a lot of drives with negative plays. We haven't seen that from a Bama team in a long time, and I know Ed Ogeron said they had a lot of surprises and whatnot, things that Alabama hadn't seen, and that's great, but Auburn and Arkansas are both far more disruptive than LSU has been this year. So if this is not just a one-time only problem, they could see uh, it, reaching 11-1 and uh, one might be a bit of an issue. Well, we've got football still to be played, no question. Are you? Let me switch gears for a minute. Are you concerned at all about C.J. Stroud, Bill, and how he's looked against some of the nation's top defenses? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been good no matter what, but they've racked up a lot of yards and points against lesser defenses for sure. In my defensive SP Plus rankings, I think against teams outside of the top 30, they're averaging like 52 points per game. Inside the top 30, 29 points per game. His passer rating is far lower, not as many big plays, and you know, from here on out, they've got nothing but good defenses on the way. So uh, if this is something that doesn't improve, they could be a little bit vulnerable if they're off offense or if their defense excuse me suffers some of the lapses that it suffered earlier this year bill look the article is about agents of chaos so i'd be remiss not to ask you your number one agent of (laughs) chaos with regard to the national championship picture 
Well, it's kind of funny. He's almost the most uh, game manager-ish guy, least chaotic guy in the country this year, but it was Stetson Bennett. It's, we're in a really weird position right now where you know he has performed incredibly well by whatever stat you want to throw out there, but uh, his defense is uh, allowing no more than 13 points ever. He, he never throws more than about 20 passes. He's got a very, very easy job. So we don't know what happens if there is a team, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Ohio, State. We don't know what happens if there's a situation like the Alabama and Florida games last year where teams start scoring 20, 30 points and he has to keep up. We have no idea if anything's changed since last year in that regard. So uh, it's a question we might not get answered for a few more weeks, though. Well, probably one he, he doesn't want to answer right this minute either. Bill, again, your article out now exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. We appreciate the perspective. We will also appreciate tonight when we get week two of the college football playoff rankings, the exclusive reveal at live from Madison Square Garden. It will be in between games at the 11th annual Champions Classic, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app. Right now, though, let's take a look at the Capital One fan vote. Tide or Bucks, which would you consider a bigger threat to number one Georgia, the Bulldogs at the top, Alabama or Ohio State? Go to Twitter.com slash SportsCenter to check out this week's Capital One fan vote. Coaching shapes just made headlines at a pair of marquee programs this week. Coming up, a deep dive into what could be more troubled waters ahead. They're in crisis mode in Gainesville right now. This is DEFCON 1. This week's ultimate performance presented by BMW goes to Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson. He finished with a school record 242 receiving yards in the win against Maryland Saturday. He also tied his career's high, her career highs in receptions and receiving touchdowns with three. Coming up, two great Big Ten games to kick off college football Saturday on ABC. Dotson and his Nittany Lions play host to number seven Michigan. And then Heisman hopeful C.J. Stroud and number five Ohio State host upset-minded Purdue at the shoe. Some college football news and notes with just three wins, ten games into his fourth season at Nebraska. Scott Frost will stay fit, put and get a fifth. Huskers AD Trev Alberts released a statement on Monday announcing Frost will return to Lincoln in 2022 with a restructured contract. And while he'll be back, four offensive assistants will not. They include offensive coordinator Matt Lubick along with the quarterbacks, running backs, and offensive line coaches. The dismissal's effective immediately. The only offensive assistant retained, tight ends coach Sean Beckton. And then there's this after three straight losses, including Saturday's embarrassing defeat by South Carolina. Florida coach Dan Mullen fired defensive coordinator Todd Grantham and offensive line coach John Hebsey. Saturday marked the Gators' most lopsided loss in school history. So in two situations, we see the head coach stay put. Some assistants will have to go, Des. An interesting time for these changes. Uh, what do you make of this? Well, when it tells you just how dire the situations are in Lincoln and in Gainesville, I mean, you look at Scott Frost, you say he's in the fourth year as the head coach of Nebraska. You thought that they would have greater progress and things you would see on the field would start to move in the right direction, but they just haven't. 
and they kind of invented ways to lose games. I mean, this is a team, Wendy, that they've been in just about every game that they've played, but in the fourth quarter, they'll find a way to lose a game. So as opposed to firing Scott Frost, you start to, you know, fire some assistant coaches. And then in Gainesville, oh, my God, I don't even know where you start. The wheels are falling off. You're looking at Dan Mullen, who was 8-4 a year ago. They actually extended his contract over the summer, making him the third highest paid contract, I mean coach, in the SEC, which is saying a lot because SEC coaches are getting bags. And then after all of that, He's at a point where they just got blown out. I mean, the door's blown off by South Carolina. That's just unacceptable in Gainesville. So you have to let go of some coaches, and you can't let go of Dan Mullen. You just extended him, made him the third highest paid coach in the SEC. So, of course, some assistant coaches got to fall on the sword, and that's what you have had happen in Gainesville. Yeah, listen, there had to be. I'm from South Carolina. I love South Carolina, but I can tell you right now, when Florida uh, loses the way they did to the Gamecocks, I mean, change had to be had. And to your point, they couldn't do it at the top. Yeah. Uh, listen, th as we roll through some of these other things that we saw on Saturday, there was also this, which is, which is tough. Washington's second-year coach, Jimmy Lake, suspended without pay for this weekend. And it stems from this incident. You can see him trying to separate players, then – hitting one in the face mask and sort of shoving him in the back. And, Rod, listen, you know, it, it, it was caught on camera. Not that it matters, but it's there for everybody to see. We know that can make a difference, and it was not a good look. Yeah, Wendy, I, I think the first question's kind of fair to ask is, would he be suspended if Washington were in the hunt for a playoff spot or a Rose Bowl spot? I mean, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. But, I, Des, we both have stories about back in the day the way coaches treated players, grabbing face masks, you know, pushing players, uh, being verbally abusive. And, and I think most people kind of kind of accepted it. They said, hey, well, you know, it didn't hurt him. He's got a helmet on. He's got pads on. But listen, there is no excuse for verbal or physical abuse to players today. It just can't be allowed. It can't happen. We have a crisis of mental health problems on campuses and those impacts players. There's a simple solution. Playing time. Sit a guy down if you want to send a message. No, I agree with you, Rod. Like you said, I mean, we come from a different generation where coaches would grab our face masks and they would, you know, um, they would express a couple of words and a few of those words would be expletives and, and then we'd go on. But that's not what we're <laughs> yeah. dealing with today. And so you can't go out there and, you know, push players. I understand the situation. It was a very tense moment. He was reacting, trying to get his players separated from the Oregon players. But you have to exercise a level of control. and You have to be cool under that type of, uh, I guess, situation and handle it very differently because now you know that, like you said, Rob, mental health, you know, cameras everywhere. You have to, it's a different day. and You have to handle situations like that a little bit differently. It is, Des, and look, it's an understandable situation in some ways, but the head coach sets the tone. If you want your players to stay cool under pressure, you're going to have to do the same thing. That's just the way it works. Uh, speaking yep. of pressure, we're a few weeks removed now from Michigan, Michigan State, uh, but Jim Harbaugh talking on Monday and expressing concern that he says the Big Ten has acknowledged they made some officiating mistakes in that game. Here's what he said. Yeah, as, as, as we all, all expected, all – also, mistakes were made. 
So you've heard from That was the response. Yeah, they made a mistake. They made a mistake. On that call? Yeah, and, and others. Okay. So they said they made mistakes on other calls? Yes. Okay. Like, I don't like to talk about calls, bad calls, things like that. I think that that's not part of our culture. We don't, we're not, we don't like to make excuses or, you know, that about anything, you know. Um, and so I think that, I think that makes your program soft. I think it gives your coaches and your players, you know, a way out. Oh, Rod, shot fired. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, oh, yeah. fair on both sides, I think, but, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Well, you mean replay didn't get it right? Replay can't fix everything? Look, you know, Mel Tucker is right. Bad things happen. You know, this, this is a human error, so it, it's going to happen. So guess what? Move on. And that happened in the second quarter of the Michigan game, and so Michigan just needed to overcome and keep playing. Mel Tucker is absolutely right on this one, Des. you got you got to move on. You can't worry about it because you got to get used to overcoming adversity. Listen, again, the, the point being, if you, if you want to tell your players one thing, which we know what they say, guys, you've been there, turn the page, look forward, have a short memory. Move on. I, I would just say this. You've got to do the same thing, fair or not fair. Again, tonight, 9 o'clock, we'll see week two of the college football playoff rankings. Des, uh, do you expect everybody to be up in arms the same way we were after week one? No, not as much. I think there uh, are going to be some uh, chaos, but not as much as in week one because everything was such a surprise because we thought we knew our teams would, would fall because of the AP rankings. But, you know, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, they don't give a damn about the AP rankings. And they showed us that <laughs> last Tuesday. <laughs> I love a Tuesday show when we get a damn in. Just before we go, guys, uh, we'll see you at 9 o'clock tonight for the rankings.